0: Thank you for visiting the Sanctuary Fellowship. We pray the following message will be encouraging to you. For more information about us, visit us on the web at www.sanctuaryfellowship.org. Listen in as we start taking away the layers of religion and discover the joys of a relationship with the
1: Creator. How many of you understand and believe that none of you took God by surprise showing up today? Amen? God knew that each and every one of you were going to be here. So I'm going to ask you right now to open up your hearts, to open up your minds, even to open up your hands and just say, God, give me that word that you have for me. Amen. Now there's going to be, there's going to be some stuff maybe that, that you'll want to pass to the neighbor and say, who that one was for you. But, but make sure you don't leave empty. Amen. Make sure you get something before, before it's all over. We've been, well, I like to start with a quote. Here's the quote. Those of you that, uh, that know or, that, or for our visitors, we've been, we're in the middle of a series that's going to take me probably about a year and a half to get through, called In Living Color, and what it is is just a word study on the word worship from Genesis to Revelations, because I believe it's that important, and I believe it, it deserves that attention, that we just find out in every chapter, in every book, through every author, what God wants us to know about worship, because worship is everything, Amen? And we were created to worship. Okay. Here's a quote. Singing should be congregational, but it should never be performed for the credit of the congregation. Oh, such remarkable singing. This place is quite renowned for its musical performances. This is a poor achievement. Our singing should be such that God hears it with pleasure. Singing in which there is not so much art as heart. Not so much of musical sound as a spiritual emotion. And that was the late Charles Spurgeon. Amen? So I want to ask you today, our singing, our worship, is it pleasing God? Or is this just another concert kind of that we come to on Sundays? Because if it is, if it is, it's, 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 you're wasting your time. Amen? And so i want to ask us today, and, and, and the whole, the whole message today is, is your life pleasing to God? Because I have a t-shirt that says, if, if there is no God, nothing matters. If there's no God, nothing matters. Right? Do what you got to do, get through, do what you, if there is no God, nothing matters. The other side of the shirt says, if there is a God, nothing else matters. Good, thank you, you two, for the two amens I got here. way well, you got it? I'm going to give it to you. Because cause I believe you live it, brother, so I'm going to give it to you. If there is no God, nothing matters. If there is a God, nothing else matters. I want to share with you a message today titled, Walk This Way. That was a song. Somebody thinking, walk this way. Yeah, I was going to play it, but I figured we had enough of that secular stuff already. (laughs) See, so we've gone, we've gone through the first couple of books with this word study. We've, you know, we, we've got a Genesis and Exodus, Leviticus, Deuteronomy. I, I ended up in, in, in this study this past week on the book of Joshua. And, you know, everywhere the word worship popped up, it was a warning to worship the one true God. It was a warning not to worship anything else but God. And so we've learned already and and if, if you want to hear the messages, you can check on SanctuaryFellowship.org and just download them for free and just listen to them or, or get CDs, see Benny, see Sal. But here's kind of the recap. We've seen that worship is sacrifice. That worship is trust. That worship is obedience. That it's more than just the song like we sung today. That it's more than coming to church. It's more than setting aside some time for church. It's more than reading. It's more than praying. It's more than one style of music. Amen. It's more than one art form. Amen. It's more than one instrument or method. It's more than any instrument. It's a poem and a paintbrush. It's a guitar and a drum cymbal. It's a song and a prayer. It's loud and it's soft, even silent sometimes. It's a story and a dance. It's a relationship and the way we treat it. It's eating and fasting it's everything and, and anything that we do in love. We can't say this enough. Worship is a lifestyle. But I want to take it a little further today. Worship is more than just a lifestyle because we see in Joshua that it's not just a lifestyle. It's a lifestyle that's pleasing to God. Amen? You follow me so far? In, in our marriage ministry, something that's growing and, and it's been overwhelming, but in our marriage ministry, we say all the time, if it, if it isn't pleasing to your spouse, stop doing it. Somebody say that's good advice. Right? And if it pleases your spouse, do it more often. Y'all can read between the lines all you want there. If it pleases your spouse, do it more often. Even when you don't feel like it. I'm talking to somebody. Amen? Amen? But, but uh, you know, uh, and that's important, and that's important. But if it doesn't please your spouse, stop doing it. You know, how many, and, and we, we came up with all kinds of examples in our marriage ministry. We're talking, you no, know, like some people like to be touched and some people hate it. And so if this doesn't please your wife, don't, don't do it. Because you're not gaining any points. Right? You're aggravating her. You're annoying her. Or him. And, and, and this will do nothing for you. Amen? So i wanted to give you a picture. See, marriage is a picture. It's God's tool for us to make us more like his image. As a matter of fact, marriage and any relationship that you're in, and it could be any kind of relationship, is a tool that God uses to shape you to be more like him. I bet you maybe you never thought of it that way. Those relationships, I've had some miserable bosses in my day. I've had some evil supervisors in my day. But I believe God put them there because that relationship was to sharpen me to make me more like him. Amen? So, so those of you that think you're stuck in a horrible marriage, God put them there to make you more like him. Imagine if we started to see marriage that way. We'd stop hating people so much, right? We'd stop, we, we, we'd maybe start, start understanding every time we get to the point where we want to either jump out the window or throw them out the window. We, we might stop and say, God, you're, you're at work. And you're doing a mighty work. This is going to be a huge work, God. Surely, surely you're in my house and surely you're putting me through this. Surely. Because you're making me more like you. Amen. See, in in marriage, you know, it it teaches us to love or it should teach us to love unconditionally like God does. How many know we need to love our spouses just because they need it, not because they deserve it? Come on, this is good. You need to love your spouse because they need it, not because they deserved it, not because they earned it. In doing that, you're being like Jesus. Loving unconditionally without anything in return, without, without loving someone that's loving you back. You're loving to just give. Amen. See, it should teach us the dangers. Relationships should teach us the dangers of selfishness so that we could be selfless like God. Relationships should teach us the joy of feeling accepted the way God accepts us. Amen relationship see it's a picture it's a it's a snapshot of our relationship with god that's why right in the very beginning in genesis 2:24, it says this is this is why a man will leave his mother and father and will be united with his wife they will become one flesh i want you to see that picture it's a picture of your old life and your new life you leave your mother and father and, and, and unite with your wife and become one flesh. You leave the old life and step into the new life. You get in the, I want you to see that picture. You're stepping into the new life in Christ. Show me a marriage where the husband or, or the, where the spouse hasn't left the old life and I'll show you a marriage that isn't built to last. Thank you. I needed that. Mm. I like that. Keep that, keep that going. Mm. come on that's true if you've been around the block a couple of times you you amen and you understand right see we leave what we were and we become united with christ one flesh god dwells in us our bodies become the temple of the holy spirit you can't just turn from a life that's ungodly unless you become united with a new life and that's what i, what I want you to see see so many people try to leave bad habits We try to leave the old behavior, but the problem with that is that we need to replace it with good habits. We need to replace it with a new behavior. Amen? Because if you just say, I'm gonna, I'm gonna stop smoking, then you know by in a couple of hours, you're buying a pack where you used to buy two. And so you justify it and say, well, you know, I'm down to one pack. That's good. And you know as you get further, you're buying a Lucy wherever you can. Just, just, well, I'm not buying packs anymore. I'm down to Lucy's. Yeah, but you're spending $46 on Lucy's, brother. You know, you know, you know what I'm saying? And you're still you know, making it seem like it's all right. See, to, when you leave an old behavior, you gotta, we got to have a new behavior. So what are you doing to replace it? We got to leave and cleave. Amen? Come on. See, turning from a life that's ungodly is not enough unless you become united to God. Unless you have a new life. I got a clip here. I don't want the papers to fly all over the place. With the little fan that we put in today. See? And for for any relationship to last, for it to grow, for it to be stronger, for it to be more fruitful, for it to bring joy and bring life, the two have to become one. Now, this is not a lesson on human sexuality, but read between the lines, right? The two must become one to bring forth life. Amen? Do I need to bring a dry erase board and draw pictures? the two become one to bring forth life see it's the same in our walk with god no life comes forth unless the two become one no no life comes from no joy comes forth unless the two become one and, and 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 god says walk this way and so you walk this way the way god's calling you to walk when you walk this way god says then you're united with me you're walking with me then out of that union comes new life amen and there's some new life that joined us today. We welcome you, Cassie. We're going to pray for the baby before we're done. Amen? Greet her, greet her. Welcome her, welcome her. That's the baby and the young lady that we've been praying for and God has brought us through. And here she is. Amen? So, so she understands that lesson. It's, it's the same in our walk with God. God says we you know we have to walk this way. The problem is that our culture has gotten so and, and, and this is unbelievable, our culture has gotten so corrupt and so bad that even the same proponents that bring us the worst, the the horrible junk that's out there, even even those proponents have have decided, man, we gotta have some positive stuff. Right and so even the labels that bring you the worst vile, wicked stuff are are now having there's positive hip hop, there's positive rock there's there's positive stuff because the even our culture that's so corrupt says, man, we need some kind of positive' because people are crazy we're losing our minds, people are killing babies, people are killing 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 parents. People are just killing things. People are just doing the sick things to, to, to this and, and it's just getting more and more perverse and so the world's answer to that is we just need some positive stuff. We need some positive rap. And we need some positive rock music. Maybe that'll will balance it out. And if you go to Barnes & Noble or any of those, you'll see an entire section on positive thinking. The, 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 you know, the power of positive thinking. Power pre- positive, positively to positive you thinking positively. You know, There's a there's hundred books that you can buy and tapes that you can listen to. to so just be positive. But what, what is that? That's like a puppet. Isn't that like a joke? Let's just be positive. Isn't that like the fakest thing you ever heard? Let's be positive. We'll do, we'll live any way we wanna live. We'll do anything we wanna do, but let's be positive about it. Amen. I'll sleep with you and your sister as long as we're both thinking positively. And we and we do it positive and 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 and, 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 you know, all the other commercials teach us, well, we gotta be safe, gotta wrap it up. Right? It's it's this fake fake agenda that, the, that culture has put on us as long as we, we make it positive but the thing is they, they're lacking aren't, aren't we? they're lacking, they need the answer see, we're missing the point it's not just leaving some bad habits it's not just even getting some new ones because we can compare that to dating God right? we can compare and, and I think we, we see that so much and we see that everywhere people want to have this fling with God and and you'll you'll hear a whole album that's singing about wickedness and but but on there there's a little prayer, or on there there's a song that just says you know and and uh, our higher power God, and and it's almost like we want to have a relationship with God but we want to have a fling we want to have a one night stand, with God. And, and so many people, and you see it, you, you just read the newspaper, just watch the news, and you'll hear of people having these one night affairs with God. And they think that you can schmooze God and tell him what he wants to hear, and buy him a drink or two, and, 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 and spend the night with him. And then not be different in the morning. Come on. We think that we've been, you know, we've been shown that, that we could do anything we want, whatever feels good, and still have a wonderful relationship with God. Still have some positive things happening, happening in our lives. If, if you want to test this theory, those of you that are married, this is how you test this theory. Tell your wife or your husband, just like this, say, hey, honey, I love having our relationship. I love the kids. I love playing house. But sometimes I just need to let out some crazies. I love, you know, I I love being with you. I love enjoying. I love the family thing. But from time to time, I'm going to be wilding out with some women. From time to time, as a matter of fact, honey, whenever like the opportunity presents itself, I'm going to go for it. Amen? I'm going to go for mine. I'm going to do what feels good at the moment. Don't think I don't love you. I love you. I still want our relationship to be there. I still want all the benefits of a strong and, and, you know, big, strong, loving relationship. I hope you understand. How many of you would be kicked to the curb before you even got half the, the paragraph out, right? I'd have an iron sticking out of my neck before I even finished that statement. My wife and her friends would be kicking my up and down the block. See, my point is obvious. We can't worship God any way we please and whenever we please and how we please and still expect the benefits of a strong relationship. That's what I want you to understand. Amen? You can't worship God any way you please and still want a, a, the benefits of a relationship. God is a jealous God. God says, me or not me. Amen? Amen? Do do, you, do we understand? I know this might sound like a harsh word, and you might say, "Well, that's not how you what you normally share." But it is. It is. I might bring it to you sweeter sometimes, but it is. The message is not changing. God says, "It's me or it's her." Amen. Come on. So. There's something I came across in Joshua with this word study that just shouted out at me. I just want to share it with you real quick. Let me, let me set the, the scenario for you. It's in Joshua 22 in case you want to check it out because, and you should because I could be lying to you. I could be making all this stuff up and, you know, be too late by the time you figure it out. So it's this, this story all happens in Joshua 22. I don't want to take time to read it all for you, but check it out. Amen. So, here's what happens. Um, you, if you know the story of the Israelites, right? Moses got all the, got, got them out of Egypt, and, and now at this point, everything that we've talked about and whatever, Moses is gone, Joshua's leading, they've, they've driven out all of the armies, they've killed everybody. God has given them favor to kill, like, you know, one against 10,000, just wiping people out. God has just giving them favor. Now at this point, God has given them all of this land by the Jordan the land of Canaan. God has just given him all of this land. And so Joshua is, is dividing up the land into lots and saying this tribe is going to live here and this tribe is going to live here and he's just giving out the land. He's like the big real estate broker but he's giving away free land. <laughs> Somebody say amen. amen. I need the free land. So he he sets it all up and and so some tribes end up on this side of the Jordan, some tribes end up on the other side of the Jordan, the land of Canaan, this promised land. But Joshua says, go, enjoy, take everything that we've taken away from our enemies, enjoy the plunder and the loot and just divide it up amongst the families. Basically he's saying everybody's rich. That's a good land to be in, amen? Amen everybody's rich he said like just divide it up amongst the families everybody's rich everybody got some here's where you're gonna live here's where we're gonna live and immediately this one tribe they they're the ones that were set on the other side of the Jordan River and and that's important for you to, to note for a minute they immediately the first recorded thing that these people do when they get to the land was to build this huge altar and they said it was so huge and visible that all the other tribes saw it. That means, you know what I'm saying? For you to see an altar from across the river or from far away, that's got to be, somebody said that's a big altar. That's a big altar, right? And so the first thing they did was build this big altar. Now, some things you need to understand about that, why that was a problem. There's two things for you need, that you need to understand. Joshua told them very carefully and warned them, obey God. You can't just um, you can't serve God any way you want to. God has made it very clear how we need to serve Him. God has made it very clear how we need to worship Him. Don't go wilding out and doing your own thing. Stay to what God has taught you, okay? And so, one of the things that 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 uh, he already one of the critical lessons we need to understand is that you can't just worship God any way you want. God had already set up an altar for everybody to go worship. So there was already an altar in place. God already built the church and said, this is the church where you bring the tithes, the first fruits, where you do the grain offerings, the wave offerings. God had already set a place for that. Understand? So that, that was the altar everyone was supposed to worship at, bring their offerings, bring their sacrifices. It was the place where God led them. Sidebar, you know how people say, well, I don't have to go to church because God understands me. Right? How many of you heard? Listen, me and God, you know, we have an understanding. He knows I don't go to church. A bunch of hypocrites in church. I don't do the church thing. God knows I have an understanding with him. I I sponsor two kids in World Vision. There's my tithe. You know, I give God his $25 a a month. I feed the children. They send me pictures. It makes me feel good. Amen. God, I have an understanding with God, right? I've heard that so many, so many times. What you're saying is, I'm special, I'm so set apart from everybody else that I don't need to worship God the way he wants me to worship. I can worship him any way I want to. And that's just secular. You understand? That's just secular. That has nothing to do with, with, with the way God wants. So that's a sidebar. The second thing we needed to understand why that was a problem that they built an altar was they've already learned through experience that your behavior affects others. Okay? Whenever something happened, God had already taught them that their sin is not just personal. We are affected by the sin of other people. Amen? We say, and I hear people say this all the time, you know, what I do, it don't hurt nobody. Right? Anybody? Some of you smiling. Right? No, people say, listen, you know, what I do, that's that's on my own, I don't hurt nobody. And my sin don't hurt nobody. That's That's a mistake. Your sin affects people. And, and if we like would, would, would get that, it, we would make better decisions, I think. Or at least we'd think better about it. Because your sin affects people. Fathers, fathers, you, you think what you do in, in private on the internet or what you do in private at, doesn't affect? It affects your children, it affects your wife. It affects, and if it affects them, it affects their families. It affects, my one sin affects a wave of people. Amen? So, so that's something that they knew already. Your behavior affects people. L- listen to this. What you do or don't do affects all of those around you. If you're one of those that say, I don't, you know, you're one of those dads that say, I don't need to go to church. God knows my heart. I send my kids to church. I pick them up at church. I make sure that they're there three days a week. I don't, mean God, you know, I send, I send the kids money. I give them money to give. That's all the pastor wants anyway. Right? I give each kid $2 to throw in the tithing. Everything's good. Right? And you affect, you affect your whole, because what you're saying to the kids is that's not important. And what you're saying to your little boys is when I grow up and be like daddy, all I have to do is make sure my kids are in some kind of, Positive program, amen. I don't. I don't need to. You know, I'm a man. I need to do what my dad did. My dad worked. He was out there. We don't know what he did half the time, but that's a man's business, right? Because men do what men got to do, and it's. A, and we 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 teach this without knowing. Our sin affects everybody. Somebody say amen. amen. Oh, that was good. So. Okay, so so those are the th- things that we need to know why that was a problem because they, they, everybody else is seeing them build this altar and, and everybody else is going, oh God, they're not supposed to do that. They're supposed to worship at the altar that we all go to worship on. And then everybody else's second thought was selfish. Oh God, we're all going to get punished for what they do because God has always punished us for, for what the Israelites do as a whole, right? You You guys can read stories where one person stole something and everybody got punished. There's tons of stories, you know. And we might say, man, that's not fair. That's, well, listen, when, when you have the experience that the Israelites have of God speaking to you face to face and God throwing down food at you and, and you say, I want meat and God throws down ducks and you I want bread and God throws down manna and you say, I want water and God brings water out of a rock. When you have that kind of relationship with God, you got to be real careful what you do. To whom much is given, much is expected. Amen. So, so you know, we can say, God's unfair, but no, no. God says, in in one instance, He said, I want you to to destroy that enemy because I've given you that land, but don't take any of their stuff. If God tells you, don't take any of their stuff, it's because He has better stuff for you. Oh, come on. Amen? You're talking about plundering an entire city that has gold and silver and diamonds and jewels, and God says, don't take any of it. I'm giving you the land... Don't take any of that stuff. And of course, you know that one story. One knucklehead, Aiken, one knucklehead. He said, But I saw the diamonds and I saw two bars of gold, and I saw. And so he takes it and he hides it, he buries it under his tent. Like, for what? What are you gonna spend it on? That's what I'm thinking. Wait, he's gonna go to the Walmart and go, what's he gonna buy? He gonna buy an extra camel or put some rims on the camel? What's he gonna do? What's he going to do with that extra? That's what I always wondering. But anyway, because he did that, God started sending a plague and like somebody in this section stole something so everybody started dying, 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 dying until somebody interceded and said, no, it was him. And they stopped. It's okay. Well, come on, Candace. Get the goal out. Stop it. And even then, what happened in that story? Aiken and his whole family were killed. So his sin not only cost him, his children were killed his wife killed his relatives everyone in his tent killed Can you imagine if we saw sin that way if we saw every ungodly choice that it would affect my kids and my kids kids and my wife and her sister and her family because of my selfishness we would probably think differently amen all right let's move on so when they heard, you know, they, and they saw that whole thing, it says the whole congregation gathered and they intended to wage war. They were going to kill this tribe. They said, you, we are not going out for your selfish attitude. We're going to wipe you guys out. So they intended to wipe them out. They and And they sent one priest and one leader from each tribe. So imagine these 11 men walking over to the, to the land to the land to to meet these guys 11 men that that are just heart in their hearts are saying you're not going to kill my family you are not going to my wife and kids and 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 everything of that is in their heads my wife and kids are not going to suffer for your selfishness you want to build an altar we're going to kill you on that altar we're going to smash that thing down these 11 men came to confront them and and here's what they said in Joshua 22:16 All of the Lord's congregation is asking what is this faithless act that you've committed against the God of Israel? Today you've turned away from following the Lord by building an altar for yourselves. Today you've rebelled against the Lord. Does the sin that we committed at Peor mean anything to you anymore? Didn't we cleanse ourselves from it? Because of that sin there was a plague on the Lord's congregation. This had happened before. You've turned away from following the Lord. Today you rebel against the Lord and tomorrow he'll be angry with the whole congregation of Israel. If your land is unclean, then come over to our land. The Lord's tent is standing there. Take some property from amongst us for yourselves. Don't rebel against the Lord or against us by building an altar for yourselves in addition to the altar of the Lord our God. Didn't Achan, son of Zerah, act faithlessly with the things claimed by God? Didn't the Lord become angry with the whole congregation? Achan wasn't the only one who died because of his sin. So we understand from this, with this confrontation, that, that we cannot worship God any way we please. We cannot justify a manner of worship just because we like it. First and always, our lifestyles must be pleasing to God. We must worship Him in spirit and in truth, the Word of God says. Amen? Amen. So he, he, he tells them, isn't the iniquity of Peor, wasn't that enough for us? You know what happened at Peor? Let me tell you what happened at Peor. Israel's men had sex with the Moabite women and, be- and through that union, they became one flesh and so they started w- giving themselves over to the worship of all of the Moabite gods. In judgment, God sent a plague that killed 24,000 people. Sidebar. Sex outside of God's plans will always detour your worship. Sex outside of God's plan will always detour your worship. Listen, before anyone can worship God, there must be some places he will no longer willing to worship. He said, they're going to be angry at the whole congregation. And Phineas, the leader there, he said he, he knew that the sin of the tribes would affect the whole nation. He knew that nobody really sins upon themselves. Now, now here's cool. This is the end, I promise. The response. Because I might have led you to believe that these people were wrong, but they weren't wrong. But everybody, mis- it was a misunderstanding. How many know that happens in church a lot? And it happens among church people. Misunderstandings, right? We we think we see what we see, and we think it's something, and and so we jump on it and we attack it, and and sometimes you know it it, it's a misunderstanding, right? So we need to learn some things from this real quick. Here's the response in Joshua twenty two twenty two. They said, "Guys, the Lord is the one true God." And he repeats it. The Lord is the one true God. He knows, so let Israel know. If our act is rebellious or unfaithful to the Lord, then don't spare us today. If we built an altar with the intention of no longer following him, and if we built it for making burnt offerings and grain offerings, then let the Lord punish us. 24. We were worried because of the situation we're in. This is so cool. Listen. We thought that sometime in the future, your children might say to our children, what relationship do you have with the Lord God of Israel? The Lord has made the Jordan River a division between us, and so between the descendants, and so you have no connection with the Lord. So your descendants would stop our descendants from worshiping the Lord. So we said, let's build an altar for ourselves. If it will not be for burnt offerings or sacrifices, it will stand as a witness between us for generations to come. It will stand as a witness that we may worship in the presence of the Lord and with fellowship offerings. See, their work was rock solid. They weren't trying to build another altar and be, and be, um, in disobedience. All they wanted to do was set up a reminder so that people on both sides will know that on both sides of this Jordan, we serve the one true God. They were scared that later down the line the kids the next generation of those people on that side would say to the kids on this side what business do you have with our god god has divided us by the jordan you're you're from the wrong side of the tracks you're from the ghetto You're not from the uppity part of town. You're not the the right kind of people. You're not the the people that we're used to worshiping God. You're from the other side. And so they were scared that down the line, their descendants won't be able to worship and that that would be robbed from their children. It's our kids we're worried about, they said. What will happen with the next generation if they're told that because of where they're from, they have no access to God? You know what the land of Canaan? Canaan stands for? The lowlands. Come on. They were scared that they were, would be told, their kids would be told, you're from the lowlands. You have no business worshiping God. And that God would be robbed from them. See, their walk was rock solid. They, they, they weren't trying to, you know, be... be uh, rebellious or nothing they set it up as a witness for their kids it was a huge sign that reminded the people on both sides of the Jordan we both serve the same God is it was a huge reminder for their kids walk this way oh man we as a church as a growing body we need to stop getting so caught up with our own issues and in the battles over how we should dress or what we should allow or not allow, what makes us comfortable, what makes us uncomfortable, what do we like, what do we don't like, and just worry that we're walking the way God wants us to walk. Find out what pleases God and then do it. And do it so well and so consistently that we would leave footprints for the next generation to follow. We need to leave a witness that shouts, walk this way. Amen? Amen? Can you imagine if we were just so concerned about our next generation? We wouldn't have time for the issues that we have with each other. We wouldn't have time. There would be no hypocrites in church because the hypocrites would have bounced a long time ago. There would only be people that are saying, you know what, I'm here because I got to get it right, because I want to be in right relationship with God, because I want to build this thing the right way, because I want to walk in His favor, because I want to walk in His way, because I want joy and life to come from this union, and I'm here because I want my children and my children's children to walk this way. I don't want my kids to walk the way I walked. I don't want my kids to make the mistakes that I made. I don't want my kids to have to learn the hard way. I don't want my kids to have to figure things out. I want them to be this huge sign that says, walk this way. There's so many other things we need to learn from this passage. There's like 600 messages in this. Like when we're misunderstood, our first refuge is God. He knows our heart, and we must be satisfied with being right before God, even if it means we're going to be wrong in the eyes of other people. Ooh, I like that. The misunderstood here also recognize the rightness of what the other people were doing and coming against them, right? And so these tribes do what we, what we should all do when we're misunderstood. We need to put ourselves in the shoes of the other person and try to see what they see. If we saw what they saw, we might have responded in the same way. So it teaches us how to respond to misunderstanding. Number one, respond with concern for God's holiness. Number two, respond with the courage to confront in love. Number three, respond with an attempt to reconcile before fight. And number three, don't confront unless you're willing to help. That's a big problem in the church. We are so quick to confront and step away. Don't confront unless you're willing to help. Amen? I want you to stop doing that. I want you to stop acting like that. I want you to stop going there. I want you to stop... Yeah. Instead of, can I help you? Can I take you somewhere? Can I do something with you? Can I show you? Can I teach you? Can, can I show you? Just look, look, walk this way. Can I just model it for you? Walk this way. Amen? Wouldn't that be a different church than than what we're used to? There's great insight here and there's so much we can learn here but at the core of it, there were men and women who were walking out God's love, who were concerned that their neighbors and eventually the next generation would have a lifestyle that did what they did. What's your biggest concern today church? What's your biggest issue with the church today? What's your biggest issue with your neighbor today? What's your issue? Does it have anything to do with eternity? Does it have anything to do with your children walking in the way that you want them to walk? If it doesn't, drop it, get over it, grow up. Can I tell you that? In love, I love you, but grow up. Amen? Ephesians, I'll end with this. Watch what God does. This is Ephesians 5. It says simply, watch what God does and then you do it. Like children who learn proper behavior from their parents, mostly what God does is love you. Keep company with him and learn a life of love. Observe how Christ loved us. His love was not so cautious but extravagant. He didn't love in order to get something from us but to give everything of himself to us. Love like that. Verse 10, figure out what will please Christ and then do it. Can we pray?
0: This time, we would just like to ask the family of Cassie to come up, the newborn baby. Oh, Cassie's a mom, sorry. <laughs> we want to lift up this child before the Lord. Um, mom herself, is, you know, she's gone through so much this past week. And in that, she's learned a really big lesson. <laughs> and we want to lift up this baby as a sign before God that Lord even though we mess up your promises are always good and that you will always make right what we've made wrong so we don't promote yeah we need some men here, some dads, <laughs> some dads, some spiritual dads. We don't condemn in this church, we don't condemn, but we lift up and we encourage. as a body, we're here to encourage her that, you know, being a young mom is very difficult. Even as a mom, as 20 years old or 25 years old, whatever, it's always going to be very difficult, but for her, it's going to be really difficult. So we're here as a sign to show you, Cassie, that we are going to support you. As long as you choose to walk in God's ways in the right path and you choose to do whatever it takes, make things right, God will always be there for you and we will always be there for you as well. So, Father, we just lift up this family before you right now, Lord God. And, Lord, throughout the good and the bad times to come, Lord God, Lord, we just pray for your peace, Lord God. We pray for your patience. We pray for your understanding. And most of all, Lord God, we pray for your wisdom, Lord God. We ask, Father God, that you would just start to just mend the broken heart, Lord Father God, and just to mend those areas where there's been pain and doubt, Lord Father God, and fear, Lord God. And we ask right now, Lord God, that you would just supply Lord God. Just supply Lord Father God. Just reassure them Lord Father God. Lord God that this is your creation Lord Father God. That Lord God that the sins of her parents Lord Father God Lord will not affect her Lord God as long as we dedicate her life to you Lord God. Father that we pray right now and we just ask Lord God that you would just Lord make new promises new beginnings for her life Lord God Lord that you will protect her it's a boy i'm so sorry (laughs) new life for him lord god father we ask father that he will grow lord father god to be a man lord father god of wisdom lord god a man of courage lord father god so lord i just ask right now right now lord god that you will protect him that you will spare him lord father god from the troubles lord father god of this world Lord God and that he will be a man that will shout your name across the rooftops Lord Father God that will shout your name across to the nations Lord God so Lord we just ask for this family this unit Lord Father God Lord that you would just give them wisdom and how to raise this child Lord Father God it doesn't take one person Lord God but it takes a whole family Lord God a community Lord God so Lord we just ask right now that you would just be with them Lord God that you would just be with them Lord God Father, we thank you, Lord God. We thank you for this day, Lord God. We thank you, Lord, that even as a body right here, Lord God, we promise, Lord God, to do whatever we can, the best way that we know how, Lord Father God, to encourage our families, Lord Father God, to encourage our people, Lord God. Lord, we lift up our children before you, Lord God, and we ask, Lord God, that our children will be blessed, Lord Father God. Lord Father God, that our children will be spared, Lord Father God, from the things of this world, Lord God. Lord, we just ask right now, Lord God, from the youngest, Lord, father god to the oldest lord we lift up every single child in children's church today lord god and lord god that it would not just be a regular sunday routine lord god but lord that they would truly learn your word in there lord god lord and that it would not just be in those doors lord father god in that room but lord god that us as a family would be the first place lord god where they would learn about you lord god Father, that it doesn't take a Sunday school teacher, but it takes a parent, Lord God. It takes a mom, it takes a dad, it takes a grandparent, an uncle, an aunt, Lord God, to raise a child in the things of the Lord. And Lord God, that it will start in the home, oh God. Lord God, that it is not just the Sunday school teachers, but it starts in the home, oh God. And Father, I just ask right now that you will give the parents the patience and the courage, Lord Father God. Lord, that you will give them the wisdom, Lord God. How, Lord God, to teach them of you, Lord God. So, Father, we just thank you for today, Lord God, and we ask, Lord God, for your blessings, Lord God, your blessings upon his life, Lord God, upon all of our children's lives, Lord God, right now. Lord God, and we thank you, Lord God, for your faithfulness because you are always so good, Lord God, and your mercies endure forever, Lord God. It is by your grace, Lord God, and your mercies endure forever, oh God. Lord God, your mercies endure forever, Lord God. Thank you, Jesus.